Good morning. May the Lord be with you and also with you. This is the third Sunday in Lent. We are um, halfway through this season of Lent, and uh, it's kind of noticeable within the midweek Lenten services in particular. We uh, have been doing a round robin during the midweeks on Wednesdays, and uh, and so you have met a number of the pastors of other congregations in the city, and I pray that that's been a blessing to you. We'll continue that up until Holy Week, where there is no midweek service, as then in um, Holy Week we are meeting for the Monday Thursday service, and the Good Friday service, and then the Easter Easter morning Easter service on on the uh, celebration of the resurrection of our Lord. Let us uh, <clears throat> pray, O God, whose glory is it is to always have mercy. Be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways, and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Old Testament reading is from Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. And God spoke all of these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> the epistle is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 31. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved... It is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. 
For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom and our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins and the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When, therefore, he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace to all of you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text from 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 31. I want to reread verses 27 through 31. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Dear friends in Christ, how many, how many people who run in the top circles of our culture are Bible-believing, church-going Christians? How many in the media, the highest levels of government politics, how many of the, of the movie stars and entertainers and the billionaire industry leaders are sitting in pews and chairs this morning in Christian churches around North America? How many university professors have placed themselves with us under Christ this morning? 
There are some, for sure, but like Paul said, not many. In verse 26, Paul says, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. In the comparison between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom, Jesus Christ becomes a watershed figure. What Jesus said about himself is then absolutely true. In Jesus' parable of the wise and foolish builders in Matthew 7, Jesus says, Everyone who hears these things I say and obeys them is like a wise man. The wise man built his house on rock. The foolish man built his house on sand. And the house fell with a big crash. From a a worldly perspective, belief in Jesus Christ is foolishness. That he created the world is laughable to the world's reason, and that in Jesus the infinite God took on human flesh is impossible. That God could and would suffer and die for his creation is a category of mistake, and that our identity is to be wrapped up, not in ourselves and our feelings or accomplishments, but in the God-man Jesus Christ is unprogressive. As a result, it seems to many people that if we don't have enough degrees hanging on our wall, we can feel like we don't have anything useful to say, nor is anyone going to listen seriously to what we do have to say. Those who trust in Jesus Christ are looked down upon as simple-minded and those who follow the words of Scripture as the one source of truth in life, as being closed-minded. Yet, this is not how the Bible talks about the wisdom of the world. There are certainly many things we can learn and be taught by secular teachers that are useful and important for this life, but that type of wisdom will end in this life. The only true wisdom that will carry on into eternity is the wisdom of God, the wisdom of salvation found in Jesus Christ and him crucified. You and I should not expect the unbelieving world to value this wisdom. Paul says this of the message of Christ. He says this message of Christ and the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. If God is God, that means the value of God's wisdom and and word cannot change. It is objective. It transcends the limits of what anything lower than God can know and do. That means worldly opinion does not and cannot change the value of God's wisdom of salvation in Christ. Lenski, a famous Lutheran Bible commentator, wrote this, saying... Humanity has never saved a single soul. Divinity alone can do that. The beauties of art, the discoveries of science, the charms of music, the attractions of the drama, the speculations of philosophy, none of these has ever brought true peace to a single sinner's soul. Not in all the ages that have passed. Only one thing can do that. The foolishness of the preaching of the cross of Christ. So every great question of life, such as who who am I, where do I come from, where am I going, and how am I going to get there, is answered best by God and his word, since he is the author of life and is the architect 
of salvation and eternal life. Trying to answer life's questions without reference to the author of life is going to end up with, with hundreds and thousands of theories, but even when coming from the best of human minds, we'll only fail. This is why Paul says in our text, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And he goes on to say in the same verse, God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. This has been God's way of working throughout history. When God chose the people of Israel as the group he would work through in order to save the world, he told them it was because they were the weakest of nations, the least of the peoples. Moses was a poor public speaker, yet God gave him the foundational words of the Old Testament. When God's people demanded a king, God's choice was a shepherd boy, David, who went on to kill a mighty giant with a slingshot and became famous as Israel's mightiest king. God's very own son, Jesus, the one by whom all things were made, was born in a manger to a humble young virgin and an ordinary tradesman. Worldly wisdom and common sense would have had Jesus born in a palace to the king of Israel. Indeed, in real life, the king in the palace, when faced with the birth of the savior of the world, wanted little baby Jesus put to death. That's the wisdom and the way of the world. In his ministry, Jesus chose his 12 closest followers to be made up of ordinary men like the Galilean fishermen and despised men like Matthew, the tax collector. Worldly wisdom and common sense would have had Jesus choose his followers from the Jewish religious leaders, the educated scribes and Pharisees and the high priests, but, but they, they opposed him and put him to death. That's the difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. Paul tells us that God has chosen these foolish things and these weak things so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. No matter how powerful, influential, or intelligent, we are still sinful and lost and headed for an eternity outside God's presence. So God desperately would have us turn and to trust him instead of ourselves for the answers to sin and death and relationship with God. The last verse of our text says, Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. The reason that we are directed to the Lord Jesus Christ is that, that all of the things that we could not be, at least effectively and eternally, Jesus was and is for us. Christ is for us, wisdom. Christ is for us, righteousness. Christ is for us, redemption. And even in this life of faith, we're not left to, to fumble our way further towards God in his ways, for Christ is for us, even our sanctification. Christ is God for us. You are in Christ Jesus, Paul reminds us in our text. We are in Christ who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. We then boast in these things that God has and that he gives to us as we're part of the body of Christ. 
We can boast in Christ's righteousness, which now belongs to you through faith in Christ. You can boast in Christ's redemption, which he has purchased and won by his blood on the cross for you. Ultimately, there is nothing more powerful than that. Through faith in Christ Jesus, we are the sons and daughters of God, our Heavenly Father. He cares for us and loves us as his very own. This also means that as his sons and daughters, we bear his name. He wants us to represent him in this world. He's given us his word, which can change lives and bring peace and forgiveness and even eternal life. Through this message, and though this message seems foolishness to many, it is the eternal ultimate in godly wisdom. And it belongs to you and me. Jesus commented on this, saying, Matthew 11, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Thanks be to God in Jesus Christ, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Amen. We now pray as our Lord Jesus taught us, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We receive our Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace. Amen. Go now with peace and joy as you serve your Lord this week. Thanks be to God. Amen.